morning, everybody. Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a podcast uh, that used to be about books. Um, now we're mostly a show about movies. This is season three of the show. This is our back to school season. And this is uh, uh, episode five as we're continuing along our slightly condescending film school education. Uh, we have an interesting show for you today. First up, I'm sorry that we are, this is a late uh, release of this show. Um, we were supposed to record a couple days ago, and then I got very sick. I've had a cold for three weeks, and then I got, and it didn't go away, and then I got the stomach flu, and it made the cold better. <laughs> so it just, I just needed that to fight off the other thing. So I'm actually feeling, I sound terrible, but I'm feeling better than I have in three weeks. So, But that's what happened. We got our, our rec- early recording got ruined, and because of that, we have a slightly diminished panel today, specifically... It is just myself, and now promoted to full professorship oh. at Hungry Hunty on Instagram in Southeast Portland is Mr. Hunter Donaldson. Oh yeah, thank you. This Congratulations. is this is good. This is like this is like private tutoring, you know. <laughs> like we weren't exactly we weren't getting it, it done. Oh, this you is know, it's like Hunter's at the end of class hours. last time. I'm like, all right, you're gonna need to come by because you are way behind. I feel oh, that's so like, right. This is like this is your this is Hunter's office hours, and I don't even know if it's gonna get sexy. Right, right. Oh, it's definitely not, you know, because because uh, you're here because you've been a bad boy, but not like that, you know. Actually, now that I think about it, I instantly made it sexy. Yeah, I don't like, know if you, you can brought... make it less sexy. I don't know if there's any way to. I think I, th- I think it's videos that's just kind of in my part. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, we are going to talk. Of, well, actually, first let me explain why we're out. So, because of our recording getting canceled earlier in the week, uh, we weren't able to schedule one that had both uh, my not nine to fivers and Ezra, who has the nine to five. And uh, Ezra opted to take the week off because he's also got a trip coming up. But then Anthony was supposed to join us. And then yesterday, Anthony spilled an entire pot of boiling water down his oh front. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All over his legs and knees and feet. So he's okay. He's just got some second-degree burns on his legs, and he can't sit still for an hour. Um, and he has some scarring on his feet, which were his one beauty. So, Wow. What? So I'm also hearing this for the yes, first time. Yes, I didn't tell you this ahead on of the time. Show. This is text that I was getting um, yesterday. Um, he, ah. he says he won't be wearing a bathing suit anytime soon. Ah, interesting. Uh, well, that's weird. I feel weird now that this is that I'm hearing this for the first time too. Maybe I should have told you. I guess I'm glad everything's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I don't know. I, he's okay, and it's just like I mean, it definitely hurt. It hurts a lot, mm-hmm. but it's also like I because he's okay. Slightly funny. Yeah, yeah, and that's what yes, I originally yes. thought. I was like, well, "This would be a fun surprise for Hunter," but then now I'm telling him like, "This isn't fun at all." Um, <laughs> it was just like he was carry. He's like had a like a pot of spaghetti water, and then the floor was a little bit wet, and he slipped. Oh, I like that it's spaghetti water. Uh, that's yeah, that's the most delicious. There. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> see now it's funny now that I added spaghetti. I mean, I feel like I I feel like there's something there, but I also feel like uh like what I don't know spaghetti water uh. Really, really <coughs> spaghetti water. I mean, could have been sometimes. So sometimes you like grab both the handles and the. If you have a gas stove, maybe the handles have gotten hotter on the side than you expected. So oh, the, that does make that sense. could be a little hot. I don't know. There's a lot of ways that could go bad, but um, he is going to recover fully, and his po- it is, his podcasting voice has not been damaged. He just um, is not feeling up to it today. So, and we had to rush to get this one out already late. So we're going to do it just just our private tutoring today. Um, Anthony and Ezra both would return shortly. Anthony should be next week, Ezra in a couple. Um, but I appreciate you agreeing to meet with me. 
and of course, of course. Uh, help me walk walk Anything me through some for, stuff for my student. You know, well, just... so here's my start. Uh, is like the Oscars happened. We spent so long talking mm-hmm. about it beforehand, and then mm-hmm. the Oscars happened, and they were, I don't know, a little surprising. Um, yeah, surprisingly good. Surprising in in that you know the movie that we all at the end of the last episode were like oh there's no way that parasite will win but we all want it to yep. and then we were all wrong yeah I, I feel like i was of the people that would have been the most happy with a couple of the other options um i had been told so many times to hate 1917 but i thought it was pretty good and um i actually at, last, at the end of the last episode i was kind of convinced that once upon a time in hollywood would win because it's up its own ass which is what hollywood likes and, right right and so that would have been fun and also yeah and it was that was definitely a good movie that we all enjoyed um but this was the one we didn't. I didn't even give it a chance. I thought there's no way because America is racist, right? Well, I mean, this let let's. I'll say this: the takeaway shouldn't be that America isn't racist. No, it but. should not for sure. Especially if you're hanging out on Twitter watching people quote tweeting other people for saying that a movie in Korean shouldn't be allowed to win. Right. Well, yeah. No, that's and that's ridiculous. Yep. But um, so, what are you going to rewatch the movie now? Are you going to? kind of give it a very solid second go considering it did win best picture that's I what i'm wondering know. about it. so the main thing which we didn't even, we didn't even talk as much about because we we're so caught up in the pizza boxes which we we're going to discuss further in a second because i have no <laughs> no i know we're not we, we are and i'll tell you why because we got some oh, emails no. about the pizza boxes oh no and wait one of them changed my opinion of the whole incident like for the better or for the better like, are you doubling well, for down? what you would oh, assume okay. is the better Okay, good. I have found there's a new detail that someone has pointed out to me that makes me that changes like that explains the pizza boxes to me, which is what I'll which is I assumed I was wrong. I was just waiting for you guys to explain it, and instead of explaining it, you just told me I was an idiot, which is very well, persuasive okay. but not uh, educational. I hear you. Well, here let me explain that that moment a little bit as far as the la- like in calling you. It's not that it's it's when you're watching a movie with your buddy, and then your buddy is like, what's up with this one detail that for you, there there was no deeper meaning behind the detail of the pizza boxes. And I'm not saying that there isn't a deeper meaning behind the pizza boxes. For all I know, you just caught something I didn't catch, which is a, probably a lot nicer way of, say, of saying it than saying, yeah, oh, you idiot. Yeah, that is way but, less condescending. I know, isn't it? It's kind of nicer now. <laughs> but in the moment, you know, like you got to feel how you feel and be real. Yeah. You know. Yes, and also but, I intentionally framed it a little bit to in, in antagonize Anthony, who you yes. may recall said I like b- capitalism more than anyone he's ever met. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. I just think you kind of ha- sometimes when sometimes when we're talking about movies, and I feel like I've learned this in, in coming on the show this often. Sometimes you'll be talking about a movie and I'll be like you just kind of sound like a Republican the way you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you kind of have Republican eyes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's and, true, but I can see why that sometimes sounds that way. Yes, yes. I, and I, I think mean, with I, Parasite, a lot of that was kind of coming out. Well, But the, I want to hear about this pizza box. Actually, thing. my thing... <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. My thing about... Okay, so the... the, the um, I do not think that it was meant... It was. It's not a like rich people are great and poor people are bad. That was not at all what my take was. My take mm-hmm, was, mm-hmm. I, you know, um, I have been led to believe that one thing Bong does is make movies about how poor people should kill rich people and how yes. rich people are terrible. And I am like, I'm open to that. I mean, I'm not as far 
um, on the anarchist left as Anthony is. Um, <laughs> like, like I, for example, saying that I like capitalism more than anyone he's ever met just means he's never met a single person in business. Right. That's because true. I am not a businessman. I like I, I'm an artist. So I like there's gotta be people who like it more than me. Um Ooh, ooh I really liked here. You call yourself an artist right there. That I definitely did not see uh, okay. Yeah, we're yeah, see, I don't even like calling myself an art. We're artists. We this are art. we are artists. What we're you're listening it. to right now, yes. this is art. You're yeah, you got art. Look, I'm not saying we're right no no, I would never claim to be a good artist. I we like mm-hmm. we are making terrible art, but we are still making right. what but but like look as ridiculous as it is to call this podcast art, it would be stupider to call it a business. Yeah, that would be much dumber. I, that's okay, the main right. takeaway I want for people. Uh, <laughs> it's like, this is like not great art, but it is a stupid business. So, yeah. um, but what I was, so actually, so where I was coming from, if I can take even like the, la- like even the, the, and I'm not a troll, I do sometimes poke Anthony because I think it's funny when he's mean to me for our art. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I'm also I'm interested in writing. I've been reading a lot of books about screenwriting, uh, and so for me, the scene with the pizza boxes, what it meant to me was they wouldn't put the scene in if it wasn't meant to show me something, and I right. assume what it was supposed to show me was that these poor people, no matter how hard they work, the system holds them down. But instead, the end result—that's how I felt during the making of it. But then at the end, when they were like, "We didn't try very hard, so we made these boxes badly." Then combining that with the fact that they are con men for the rest of the the movie and like unapologetically lying and stealing, that made me feel mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe they're not supposed to be the good guys. And I also felt like, especially the mother of the family, seemed like a very nice person who was being taken advantage of on multiple sides until like right. the party. So later on, they do something, and then especially at the end, they do some things that are like, oh, they're not the good guys. But it just felt like for night, why would you make a movie where for 90% of the movie, the wrong people seem like the bad guys? And then you change your mind at the end. As a writer, that's well, what I was wondering about. And that's what the pizza sure, boxes sure. stood for to me was, are, are, is Bong trying to say that they're hardworking and the system is holding them down or that they will cut corners no matter what? These are people who like graft. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes. I mean, your protagonists don't have to be the good guys, right? Though, like that's true. Like that's that's also true. And th- and I think there are things about the family that make them to at least me uh, endearing, uh, even if <coughs> I recognize that they're morally compromised. Basically, the, for the entire movie, yeah, they and have I think no that's real interesting moral to make whatsoever. them more morally compromised is an interesting decision. And I don't necessarily understand why they have to be morally compromised when they could be nicer people. I think if they were nicer, it wouldn't feel so much as a critique of the entire system of like right. exploitation that is capitalism. Right. It would feel a little more like I don't know. It would just feel like it was a little ro- like too rosy. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's reasonable. Um. I the the thing that I did. Okay. So that yeah. That's that's a great background. That's where we are. So let me bring mm-hmm. in some. Uh, let me bring in some email. So we uh, we got some great emails this week. We're going to do some at the end, but I have a couple here that I want to read that are related to this conversation. You can always send us email podcast at read-weep.com. This email comes from Alexander, uh, who says, Alex, your movie opinions can be indescribably frustrating, especially in this episode, <laughs> but I actually think you're right about Parasite. I also found it hard to root for the protagonists, and I consider myself a democratic socialist. I really struggle to sympathize with con artists of any income level, especially when so many people are actually trying hard to make an honest living. 
And you're absolutely right. The pizza box scene, multiple scenes, not a minor part of the film, as your guest suggested, were pivotal, pivotal in showing us they're, in fact, lazy and negligent. As for the conning, I guess it does demonstrate the moral compromises one might have to make to get ahead in capitalism. But I feel like you're, I feel like you're supposed to root for them a lot more than I did. So at least Alexander weighing in to agree that the pizza box seemed important and mm-hmm. uh, seemed to think that they were um, morally compromising them in the way that you just suggested, but that it was a bigger issue than I had been. My the reaction to me had suggested. All right, two two things I want to say now. Um, I think for me personally, so the reason that the pizza boxes did not invite like a deeper critique for me is I think it was so relatable to me personally (laughs) that I took it at not, I didn't take it at face value, but I just kind of was like, I just, I mean, I've worked at crappy pizza restaurants and like not really giving a shit about them so like to me seeing somebody else do that was very natural yeah um, so that's an interesting part of it yeah deeper with it yeah that like of course you're gonna do a bad job on pizza boxes that job sucks yeah it just sucks and so i i think i just kind of related to that as an activity even like i have literally folded pizza boxes many many like for many hours of my life i'm sure uh, and also just not given a shit about it. Like, I just didn't care. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that I think the relationship uh, between the characters as a family unit was very, um, very useful for, like, bringing me onto their side. And uh, it's not like they're, like, super, super sweet to each other, but you kind of feel their cohesion as a family unit yeah they in sort of they, they do play around really they do cool. yeah i like the way that the way they relate is very interesting and um the way that the adults are not that much more mature than the children is sometimes very yes. charming yes um and the feeling uh, like they're all yeah, like the together. scene with the brother and sister where they're where they're first getting to the rich people's house and she does that little um like thing with her with her fingers where she's like memorizing like some list of uh fake traits for her character and she like kind of sings it out yeah that's such like little moments like that that are like so cute between all of them uh i think is like what that's what makes me root for them i can watch them do morally reprehensible things and be like well they're the protagonist and i like it's not like like i'm not judging them i'm just like i know these are the main characters and i do feel for them basically so i promised you an email where that would give shed some new light on it and it was not a person with a suspiciously similar name to me agreeing with me that was a separate email that we had to do first but here's the second email that i wanted to read about this this is from steve with the subject pizza boxes so i was very excited to open this Hey, Alex, just listen to the great episode previewing the Oscars, and I had a thought about the pizza boxes. I did, I did very recently see the film, and I was both happy and a little shocked that it won. I freely admit I'm ignorant of Korean culture, and I'm nowhere near a film buff that anyone on the podcast is, so I could be completely off based on this interpretation, but here goes. From what I can tell, the family's getting paid under the table to fold the boxes. They're doing a job yes. for four, but only being paid the equivalent of one worker, perhaps even one part-time worker. So they do seem to actually care about doing a good job as they are shown searching for Wi-Fi so they can watch the video on how to best fold the boxes quickly. When the pizza van shows up and complains that a full 25% of these hundreds of boxes are not usable, that struck me as fishy. The idea that they cared enough to inspect them all and they still wouldn't end up using even the bad boxes. I was reminded of an old scam I heard about where people are paid to fold and mail items at a seemingly generous rate, but then get docked for even the tiniest of errors, no matter how inconsequential. Oh, yeah. Right? Right? 
Uh, it seemed like more like a, a performative complaining, especially when they are generously offered to dock them only 10% of their already meager pay. So basically, um, I, I was, Steve is sort of I, almost agreeing with you, but e- even further, there's maybe like the pizza box, their contact may have been scamming them with the box job, and maybe they did a, a decent job and were just getting docked for pay just so that that person wouldn't have to hire a full-time worker. No, but the theme is people taking advantage of each other. So thematically, like, this really checks out. I forgot yeah. about that detail yeah. of it. That would have been dynamite. Looking for the Wi-Fi, trying to find the signal to f- for the video also shows, like, maybe they, like if they had if they had access to the same resources, they could have done a better job. But because they have to, like, sit up on that toilet ledge to watch the video, they weren't going to be great at it anyway. Um, Damn. So, yeah, it does actually fit in with the idea of them being taken advantage of, which I think makes a lot of sense. That actually, that all reminded me very uh, A friend of mine was a paper boy uh, when I was in college, and the system there was if they got three complaints, all of their pay was docked, basically. Whoa. Like, and they got paid monthly. So it was like a ridiculous, Whoa. like, if yeah, you that's just a got scam. three complaints for any reason. And some people would say, like, some people would have specific, like, people have directions for how they want their paper delivered to their house. So that means, like, like they're like, oh, I like mine, like, rested on the mat just this way. And so that means that if it isn't, right. then that's a complaint. And you and could you only lose get your three. whole month's pay if you don't get off. Yeah. Stop your bike. Go up to, like, sl- like range it properly. Yeah. Uh, yep. Get the feng shui on the porch correct. Yeah, that exactly. So okay, so that makes more sense to me then as well. That I just wasn't paying enough attention to the way. Maybe I wasn't reading the the lady who showed up to get the boxes correctly, or uh, or also just like yeah, maybe I was maybe I was looking at it with two Republican eyes. <laughs> you know, I was looking. Oh, at I don't it. like it when you say it as much, but. <laughs> How come that's that seems to be true of everything? How come words are fun for other people to say, but when I say it, it's gross and creepy? Well, no, it's it's not just anything. It's like it makes me feel sad when I hear you say it, and there's there's no one else here to kind of bounce the like energy off of. That's true. So it's yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah, very. Intimate. I can't have you hurting yourself right now because you're because we're just this is private office hours. Right. You know? <laughs> That's true. Okay, well, I'm going to try to believe in myself a little more. So that's so that happened. So I'm I don't know if I'm going to go back though because even though I appreciate that part more, and I did enjoy the movie. I I I loved um once they discover the basement. I think everything from that point on is great fun. I think the mm-hmm. part before that where they're just worrying about getting in trouble all the time is just a kind yeah. of stress that I don't enjoy in a movie. Like them hiding under the table is just like oh my god it's just that's not a kind of stress that is fun for me and movies are are, are more of a fun type of activity um as mm-hmm. opposed to like a way that i go to feel like i'm not flogging myself with movies and that's what that feels like um because i like people to not get in trouble i don't like i'm a rule follower i don't like i just i was just so mm-hmm. worried that it was going to be awkward stabbing people very fun <laughs> that's like a great time it's like at least they're. Oh, wait, you just said you were a rule follower. So I know like, that's what I'm saying. But like stabbing. I don't know why that's okay because you can't stab people. I've looked that rule up. <laughs> it's like, but for some reason that's like so ridiculous, or, or at least it's just up front. It's like we're getting this out right now. We're stabbing, but hiding under tables is just. Oh, I just don't want anyone to get in trouble. God, just the idea of somebody getting stabbed and being like, "This is not. A, this is against the rules." Okay, you're not supposed to <laughs> you stab. Have to stop me right now. Look, if you looked this up, you would know this is illegal. You must stop. Right. You, you can't do it. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if I'm going to go back to it right away, but I, uh, uh, I am, I'm, I'm happy for it to have won, and it does feel like an interesting cultural moment. 
especially and also because it dominated it got like it it, it billy eilish the awards you know it got yeah. all of the oscars up uh, to the point where right. it just like with billy eilish the grammys it was like he's out of speeches to give and that right. <laughs> that's really interesting is somebody running out of speeches especially after right, watching... they're just literally like oh, all right i'm gonna get drunk now yeah exactly yeah, it's so say. perfect like... and that's like those are the best speeches that we've had is people who don't think they're gonna get it whereas like Joker clearly expected to win and was like, I have some things to settle about milk. And like, <laughs> this is, that was just that. Oh man, I didn't, I was so upset about him winning when I watched him talk. Whereas I couldn't even listen. I could, his words couldn't even get into my brain oh, man, like while was he was so talking. Like it was like, my brain was like, uh, we're just gonna have to dump this right as it comes <laughs> in. There's no, this is not <laughs> getting into your head at all. That's exactly right. I was watching people, on the TV and and just watching the reaction where they were like, all right, we're kind of into this, and then very quickly losing them. Uh, and right. it was around the time where he was like, and we steal that cow's milk. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, yeah, I remember at some point saying, fuck cereal. I don't remember what that was in reference to. I'd just be like, yeah, fuck cereal. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a vegetarian. Like, I'm your target audience if you're just not a doofus about stuff. Like, Oh right. man. Anyway, uh so I, I thought it was a really interesting cultural moment and, and also just watching like what watching how these two award ceremonies that I watch back to back have like how they feel like they're changing and how they're recognizing things that I actually like, which is weird. I'm not used to that. Yeah. What's the other award ceremony? The Grammys. I keep referencing the Grammys, sorry, because I watched that oh, last week, okay. which is um I, I I didn't watch the Grammys, so I don't even know. I, so okay, I even the Grammys are pretty good and the main re- and I want the Oscars to be more like the Grammys in that the Oscars give away 30 awards I don't care about. Mm-hmm. And the Grammys, they have 80 awards, and they give 76 of them away during the day. And then the oh, show wow. is just like best rap album, best song, best album. Like, they just give away the big ones. Um, and then they do performances, and they they honor the year in music. And it's really fun. And the, Wait, so what categories are you trying to kick off the Oscar stage? Audio then? editing. Okay, sound I, editing. I just think sound editing should be done during the day. Uh, look, look, you could do sound editing and sound mixing. You could do one of the... You get one, sound people. Yeah. Doing both of <laughs> those back-to-back, and they're almost the same movies, and you're... At least, if you're going to do it, give me, every year, a 30-second explainer on what the differences are. Right, and this that's is, a good point. This isn't just, like... like I'm like, I, I know I'm the idiot on the show, but also I feel like a bit of an everyman... I'm assuming the average audience member of the Oscars does not know, or if they know, doesn't give a shit the difference between editing and mixing of, of sound for movies. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, yeah. No. You're. 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 And right. did they I'll both go to Ford one. Ferrari? I'll, I will completely give you this one. Do what? Didn't they both go to Ford v Ferrari? Uh, Ford v Ferrari got editing, which made me really upset because it's like the last time we could give, uh, not that, I mean, she's won plenty, but Thelma, uh, Thelma Schoonmaker, Schoonmaker, I saw, I I saw an old clip where somebody said Schoonmaker, which seems like definitely wrong. Yeah, probably not it. Um, but it was at the Oscars, so I'm like, they probably checked. Well, but didn't, Um, didn't one of the people who announced, um, Bong kept referring to him as Pong? Yeah, so I mean, I guess people are just stupid. Yeah, like, like at all the Oscars, the time. Uh, like, uh, somebody is like the most American thing is like we're going to honor this man, but also mispronounce his name repeatedly right, on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't be talking because I have really bad name anxiety when I have to bring people up doing stand up. Oh, sure, it's totally um, yeah, it's and totally mess difficult. Names but... up all the time. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'm also not like a celebrity and super rich. So I will just judge very comfortably from my armchair here. Okay. Well, yeah. Like, I, so I do stress out when I'm saying like a comics name. Um, but like, yeah, if I was getting paid more, I would try harder. Yeah. I, I think that's and, like the check a couple answer. times. Yeah. Like, practice. not just like one time, like check. Yeah. Practice. Um, that, all these things. But yeah, so I would cut down the sound editing. Um, I think that's probably that's actually that's the main one that I have an objection to. I think that was the only one. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I do. Think, I was about to say it's pretty tight. Like most most of the most of the technical awards, I'm like pretty down with. Like pretty much everything. I and definitely I wouldn't kick the writing awards off for sure. No, I, like I wouldn't writing awards. Kick I like the cinematography yeah. off. Like yeah. <clears throat> I mean, cinematography is a harder one for me. I mean, I do feel like like there is some sort of conglomeration between like the writing, the directing, the cinematography, and best picture. Like. What part, I mean, so this is my question for you. What part of each of those things, like, how can you actually distinguish all of those parts? How can you say something is, like, the best directing but doesn't have the best cinematography and is the best picture? Like, how could you do that? Okay, so in, just to to keep it straight, uh, because this gets pretty messy from, depending on who we're talking about, but in general, the director is... Not really so, like, the director isn't all about, like, just, like, making choices constantly so much as, like, it's almost like they're the head of a company. They're the CEO. And people are putting things on the director's desk, and the de- the director is a person saying yay or nay, basically. Mm. Um, so they're like a filter, like a gatekeeper, But uh, I, I think so, is probably but, like, a good way to put it. The thing that I picture when I think of a director is them making a box out of their L7s on their mm-hmm. fingers and they're framing a shot through their fingers and that, like that's the what a director is doing. Yeah, so some that directors sounds like it's actually work cinematography. Yeah, like well, I, it just depends. So like some directors work really closely with their director of photography and you could describe them as a team and a lot of times the clue there is generally they just work together the whole time. Like it's like every movie they made, they made together. Oh, um, interesting. So then the cinematography and the director are probably, it's probably really truthfully more of a collaboration between the two than it is just like a kind of order of operations type thing. The, I would say the one of the main things that the director has to do is direct the actors, right? There's nobody right. else to do that job. That's, that's uh, the one okay. job okay. that a film director does that, there's no one else sort of doing that. I mean, I guess, again, this is one of those things where you could find a million little edge cases because basically, you know, films don't have to, like, are set up all different types of ways. Yeah. You know, it's not just like every film is set up exactly the same way. But um, to me, that's that's the job that they, that they most often are the main focus of. Um, but yeah, the the director gets can get their hands in whatever they want. You know, like you watch a Wes Anderson movie and it's like clear that Wes Anderson... Uh, is like kind of getting his fingers in every little aspect of it or working with the exact same team every time and they all have this synergy uh, together so that his films all have this very specific formal look to them. So if the director is like the boss of the boat, then what is the producer doing? Because that like the boss of the company is what I thought a producer was. Sure, yeah. The producer is more like how, how is this movie getting made? Those are the kind of questions that they. You mean answer. like meeting like, with uh, Chinese businessmen and asking for money? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe stuff like that. That might be a good way to put it. But also, just like in the day to day, like how are we going to accomplish this? Like, like, a, like producers are also like going to be around while the movie is being made, uh, and they're going to, I don't know, kind of check up on it and make sure that that 
this is going well uh, and that people are happy, basically. I feel like that's the type of job that a producer does. So but again, Bong all Joon-ho of this then was like, he was the director and the writer and a producer on yeah. this movie. Does that make him yeah. just like a micromanager? Like he was at every meeting saying everything. Yeah. I, whenever someone is playing the role of director and producer, that's a little confusing to me. Like, I'm not really sure what to make of that as compared to just being a director. It almost feels like, like, why, why are you having that extra, um, that extra title on top of it? Uh, cause the director is also trying to execute everything. I mean, a, a director being the writer too, I think is pretty natural. Like that, that makes, makes total sense. sense to me. Yeah. Uh, well, and actually this is a great transition. So I'm glad this is actually, it feels like we've talked a lot about thing that just happened, but this specific part of the conversation is exactly what I wanted to lead us into our topic for today, which is Citizen Kane. So yeah. today we're talking about a 1941 film. And one of the reasons why, so a couple reasons why this is interesting. One is, um, it's considered by many to be the greatest film of all time, and it did not win Best Picture. It lost yeah. to the thing that we all, the movie we all know and talk about all the time, How Green Was My Valley. Yeah, that big movie. Huge, you know. Huge, long time, uh, well, also considered the best of all time. Um, yeah, so so it, it did not win. Um, it did win Best Writing, but here's the thing about Citizen Kane that I think is, and why that conversation is so perfect, is it is written, directed, and starring Orson Welles. Yeah. And that last part is a, le- like, I get writer-director. That seems like, okay, so you're just, you're the genius of this movie. This is your movie. But when you're also, when you're director and starring in it, it seems like you might be a rich person who no one can say no to. <laughs> right? That's my gut. Yeah. And it worked here. He's clearly so good at both. But, like, how can you be behind the camera giving orders and in front of the camera doing the act? That seems indulgent. Well, here, so here's the thing I want to throw out uh, pretty early. Uh, and it's interesting that we're talking about the relationship between director and cinematographer. The cinematographer on uh, Citizen Kane was this guy, Greg Toland, uh, who was already vel- very well known for being a cinematographer. Uh, he was already uh, an innovator by the time that Citizen Kane was being made. Orson Welles had never made a film before ever. This is Orson Welles' first movie, um, period. Whoa. Uh, okay, yeah. so the first movie, okay. <laughs> How did he get... I mean, Hollywood must have been different in the 40s. That you could be like, for my first movie, I would like to write it, direct it, and star in it. Well, the theater used to matter. It used to be that people liked the theater, and Orson Welles was like a theater star, oh, um, and okay. also known for when he did that War of the Worlds radio thing. Right, right, right. Okay, so this is more like if we gave a YouTube celebrity a movie, which would be yeah, like it questionable, is. but it would also really kind of work. Yeah. Um, and so the thing is, uh, Orson, Wel- Orson Welles comes on to this movie, and he doesn't know how to make a movie. Uh, and he has this, like, genius that's working for him. And and uh, Greg Tolan uh, specifically said that he wanted to make a movie with someone who had never made a movie before. Wow. And so when you're working with someone that doesn't understand the limitations of anything... They just ask for basically crazy, impossible shit constantly. Yeah. And that's what happened. Is Orson Welles was just like, all right, it'd be cool if it was like this and like this. And he doesn't know that 
what he's asking for is like a huge pain in the ass and basically like very, very difficult to pull off, especially given the technology that they had at the time. Orson Welles just like watched the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and was like, it should be like, it should be like that. I want it to look really cool. What is that? Um, uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is like a German expressionist movie. Oh, okay. Um, people, people, I mean, it's, I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna make you watch it, because it's like, it's, it's pretty old, but it's, you should check it out sometime. It has a very interesting look to it. Um, I, mean, I don't I just, even, I just like, it's, the poster here, and it looks, it's, it's a silent horror film, and it, he's got Nosferatu fingers. Yes. It's long, yes. creepy fingers. That's the only thing I know so far. Yeah, so like the and the the German expressionist movies all have like they're all the, if you watch them and you look at Citizen Kane, everything starts making a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like you know how like Citizen Kane just has all those like montages of like things getting like really dark and pretty heavy, just like kind of all out like suddenly like the movie starts and it's just like it's almost like you're just looking at like dark castles and like storms yeah, and yeah, like yeah. trespassing signs like. That's all very German expressionist. Interesting. Um, and, and that's what it is, is Orson Welles liked that movie. Um, he also watched, he said he watched uh, Stagecoach like 40 times or something crazy like that. So he was just like, I'm just going to make a movie and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to watch really good movies a bunch over and over and then just ask a very talented cinematographer to like make my vision happen. And also it helps that Orson Welles is like a, like really kick-ass actor obviously yeah, like yeah. he's amazing um so i okay i one of my so one of my main questions for this um was to talk about what the director does and like who's the like who's the genius behind a movie and why like mm-hmm. but i guess it I, now i'm just confused about whether that's like now i'm feeling like that's a stupid question which i know main segment no stupid questions um yeah right right, right? but um so I guess instead of that question, what I want to ask is, should I be trying to find the genius of a movie or is that like, is that like looking at a dish and being like, what's the spice that's making this work? Where it's like, the answer is all oh, of that's them. A, I actually think this is a great question because I think a lot of times people watch movies like that where they're like, they're like looking for the tidbit or the factoid or whatever. But what's be- I think what's beautiful about movies is that you're kind of supposed to let them just like just kind of hit you you know there's so much like uh subconscious stuff it's sort of like uh oh what's that movie with leonardo dicaprio and he's in your dreams and uh he's going he's got to go levels deeper inception. and inception yeah, yeah. And that's what's that's like the only cool thing about inception is it's like this like <laughs> crazy blockbuster but it's also sort of about how movies work in general is that they're 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 getting deep in there? That's the only cool thing. What about the city turning on its side, or like the shooting city turning on its side snow? is also cool. Okay, that there are other cool things about it. Okay, good. Also, corporate espionage. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of cool <laughs> things about it. I, I'll, I'm not gonna. This is not a hill I'm willing to die on with no backup. You know what I mean? Like, like if That's Anthony was really here, changed. I would be like, all right, Man. let's dunk on Inception right now, but I just don't feel like... I don't have it in me. We've really changed the dynamic by having it be office hours is because uh, it's, I mean, it's usually that the idiots are outnumbered, but today... <laughs> You're like, look, I just got to keep this idiot at bay. I don't have time to like really hurt him. We're just going to battle this to a draw. I feel like that that's actually how it would go in real life, too. If you're dealing with your professor in a classroom setting, there might be a little... But if you're dealing with your professor one-on-one, it's kind of like, all right, we're not going to touch that. Don't worry well, about okay, that. So, okay, just... but just, just then a brief aside, which is that I thought I was supposed to like Inception, um, and 
I, I mean, I, I don't want to make, I, I say this, I've said this on a few episodes where I'm like, I thought this was supposed, to, I was supposed to like this. Um, so I guess, is, is it, are you guys weird in not liking Inception or? Well, uh, I don't want to speak for Anthony because I don't know. Right. I mean, are for you all I know, weird he, he for not liking Inception? Inception? I thought it was supposed to be good. Um, I, th- I think a lot, it's obviously a very popular, very successful movie. I, I think that there is something that's happened with um, Christopher Nolan as he's made movies that I, he's, he's such an interesting figure to me because like I, I've kind of grown up as I'm getting into movies and he's making movies as I was growing up getting into movies. So there's this weird kind of like, for me, I was very on board with everything he was doing and then Interstellar like really upset me oh. and made me feel like, Oh, this is, is this dumb? I think this is really dumb actually. Oh, interesting. And then I started watching his movies before and now I can't help but have this. And this is, I'm making this personal now cause that's like kind of, that's how I like to do it's it. It's a safety valve. Just trying yeah, to yeah, be yeah. like, here was my personal journey that led me to this conclusion is I really hated interstellar. Like I really, really did not like that movie. Um, I felt like, Especially just like the climax of the movie, I was just like not feel. I was not clicked into the the world of the movie or or the drama even going on. It just like really failed. The only thing I liked was there's a part in Interstellar where they go onto a planet, um, and then they have to like leave a guy behind on a spaceship. And when they come back because of time dilation, it's been like a very long time, like years or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and I really like it when science fiction mo- movies play with uh, like relative time in like a scary horror way. Yeah. I love that. That's like so frightening to me because that's real and that's freaky, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, uh, so 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 personal journey then is that um, uh, the prestige is the most I've ever liked in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Just, just <laughs> well, I mean, it's got so many things going for it, which is that like I like Christian Bale, I love magic. I'm a big fan of magic. Um, mm-hmm. Like the time period is really interesting for me. And also it was, it's like the, it, like I watched it in college, which is a great time for this um, where it just like blew my mind. And then I went back and watched it again and it was like, well, like I spent the day because Ezra who's on the show a lot, obviously he's not here today, but Ezra and I watched it together and we like spent the day realizing stuff. And uh, like, oh, but that makes, oh, that's why that, oh, that's what that's about. And it was so mm-hmm. such a delight. And so I, and I, I still, I mean, I haven't seen it in several years, but I still kind of consider it if I was like on a game show or whatever, I would like, and I had to, I had to tell Alex Trebek my favorite movies. It'd be like that and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, uh, <laughs> I just, I, I'm totally with you on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I just love the prestige. And, um, and I read the book. And here's a fun thing about the prestige that you might not know is that the book sucks. Oh. And one thing that I have been fascinated by on this podcast, especially because we've talked about a lot of like crappy books that were made into movies, is that mm-hmm. people all say all the time that the that the book is better, and that's because they only talk about good books. But it's not that the movie version is always worse than the book version. Sometimes the movie version fixes noticeable problems in the book. And the Prestige is one of those where the Prestige is like kind of a boring, stupid book. And then they he, he saw the Nolan saw it and were like, we could make this way more interesting. And they did through yeah. some very specific choices. Um, man, and, and now it sounds like I'm not even supposed to like the Prestige because you don't. It's not that. No, hey, <laughs> it's not that. I I think Christopher Nolan is definitely somebody that uh, is he's a very talented filmmaker and he's very good at what he does. I'm not trying to say that he's a hack or that he's crummy. I'm saying that there, it's it's 
there's like a coldness to his work where I feel like there's not a lot of like humanity in it uh, and the humanity that is there. Um, I don't buy or believe really. Mm. Um, like let's take inception. For example, I don't really feel I like when I watch that movie, I feel way more invested in cities folding in on themselves <laughs> and the like kind of cool science fiction ideas than I do like, what's going on with Leo and uh, Marion Cotillard, uh, like their relationship or like, you know, like it's his movies to me work way better on like a cerebral level. And I feel like my heart doesn't get engaged that much. Interesting. Um, And I'm a real like, I'm a real sucker for good um, acting and not to say that the acting is bad in his movies, because that doesn't make sense. He's worked with like so many very talented actors. But I feel like the direction of the movie doesn't like enhance what the actors are doing. Um, You're also a little more heart forward. I think I might be slightly more brain forward on the way I watch some things, and so maybe that yeah, like maybe that's exactly true, and I didn't notice. Yeah, I mean, I just I like I think his movies are constructed really smart. Like that, I'm. I'm not trying to say he he dumb dumb. And if you like him, that's <laughs> dumb, like at all. Um, because like the, the his craft is like it's it's all there. It's so and also like dude, the Dark Knight rules. Like that's a that's a fun movie. Yeah. that's such a good movie yeah. to watch. But even that, like e- after I saw Interstellar, I'm like, well, this is this is just heat with Batman, basically. <laughs> um, which is like that. I mean, a million people have said that. But then I watched I mean, Heat and I was like, oh my god, this is heat I with Batman. I do not like comic book movies. That's the way you should make comic book movies, is make it like yeah. a good movie, but with Batman. Well, so I mean that's what they did with the Joker, right? Like they were like, What if it's Taxi Driver? Right, and, and, and that makes comedy. perfect sense because I watched Taxi Driver and I was like, I don't think I get this. This isn't for me. <laughs> But I so I think Inception is really interesting. I want to or not Inception. Um, Interstellar is like so that might change how I feel about the Nolans. And I have not I've not seen it because I missed it in theaters. And Anthony forbade me from watching it on my laptop. Yeah. No. Oh God. Yeah. Right. And so, but now I have a television. Maybe I could watch it on my big TV. Uh, yeah, watch it on your big TV. That that that'll be fine. I was gonna watch it on a plane, and then Anthony was like, "If you do that, we're not friends anymore." Yeah, it's probably I, fair. I don't know. So let's let's talk more about Citizen Kane. So okay, so we're talking about why. Uh, so so one of my questions is like, um, how we got onto this was about like who is the genius of a movie, and then my sub question is like, actually, is that a stupid question? Should I care who the genius is, or is it this melange that makes it so good? Um, and you were talking about Inception because of that. But so do I, so so for this movie, it's for uh, Citizen Kane. It seems like it's pretty clear. There's like one genius because he's doing so many jobs and then there's a second genius mm-hmm. that's enabling his genius and also is being a genius on his own so it's like the two of them together are what makes this movie great yeah and i think like i don't know i th- i think one of the things that's weird about talking about movies is that a lot of times the director kind of gets all the credit when actually there's like so many like crafts people just like that are just good at stuff that make all this happen uh, so I I specifically wanted to bring up this Greg Tolan guy because uh, he also like yeah. only he died like four years after this movie was made. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he died young too. He's like forty four, and he uh, he invented a bunch of like different lenses that actually made a lot of the shots in this movie possible. Oh, okay. So that wow. So he was not only doing like this is a cool rig. He was also like doing optics. Yeah. 
Totally. Wow. Like, uh, there's like a story that like right before he died, he like invented this like crazy lens that um, it's like, I don't understand photography that well, which sucks because I'm like always trying to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But like he invented a lens that enabled someone to stand right in front of the camera, like right in front of the lens and be in focus. And also the foreground, which was like much, much farther away to also be in focus at the same time. Yeah, that's uh, not, that's not you can't do that. Call that. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that's some, that's something he invented a special lens that could do that uh like right before he died, which is uh, which is crazy to that's me. That's crazy. Okay, so um if he is being the actor and also the director, stupid question, who's telling him what to do? Or is he who's <laughs> it, is somebody allowed to say, "Hey man, you just really phoned it in on that line. Like, is there someone there? Mm-hmm. Is there a, is there like a, when Orson is not in the directing chair, that weird f- folding wooden chair, it, when he's on yeah. the other side in makeup, is there someone saying like, do better? Well, yeah. So, uh, I think it's like, basically all the actors in this movie are all like people that, uh, Orson worked with in the theater. So they're all, um, super seasoned, actors uh they're not but but they're all kind of new to film uh but what's weird at this period of time like this is like this is a long time ago so like there's not like video like right now there's a thing called video village that actually i think george lucas invented with the prequel movies where like the director can just like sit uh with all of these tv screens and like watch everything as it's happening Uh, i don't know how they really like at this point in time knew like if a take was really that good because they couldn't they couldn't just fucking watch it you know well, especially like, as a theater guy then they probably would have like rehearsed way more and like yeah. actually got him to nail the thing and then had him whereas now you could be like just go practice it on camera and if one of those is good we'll keep it i actually think that's the good answer to your question is that they the all of the work that you're seeing like that that's all been done already because they're theater okay. people so yeah they they cool i was just guessing it out yeah. Um, no, but it makes sense. So, so how do you watch films? Like, how often do you actually, in your own time, go back and watch something from like the '40s or before? How often does this come up for you? Oh, this this kind of era of filmmaking. Yeah, I go through like phases where this type of stuff is more what I'm into. Um, like in your own, but, not just like in when you were actually like in college studying film. You like. You just like on a f- Friday afternoon, you're like, oh, I got off work early. I'm going to see what the green pasture or whatever that was called. Um, how oh, green yeah. was no, my I'm valley? Not, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to watch that. But you, but, but you might go like, I'm just interested in some 40s films. So I've like been watching a bunch of these things recently. That's. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I kind of go back to the same movies from this era over and over, which is probably bad. I, w- I should actually I should branch out. What watch are the other new stuff? But uh, I, I'll watch like the Third Man, which is really good. Also has Orson Welles in it. Mm. Um, I'll basically I'll watch any Orson Welles movie um, at at pretty much uh, any time. I'll watch uh, some John Ford stuff, some westerns like The Searchers and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but and then like weird like German expressionist stuff is also super good. Uh, but I feel like this era. I don't really explore too much. Yeah, I have um, I have a Blu-ray uh, Criterion copy of the Third Man, which is like way out of print, and I just want to brag about having that right now for anybody that gives a shit about stuff like that. Probably nobody. I, I mean, um, certainly somebody. I do not know what you're talking about. 
Well, yeah, it's just uh, isn't, it's isn't just that, a um, Blu-ray that's, that's out of print. That's Jack White's uh, record label. Oh yeah, I never even made that connection. Is that before. because of this movie? Probably. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, so it's an Orson Welles film noir. Yeah. Interesting. Su- super, super, super dope. Interesting. Okay. Well, I do enjoy some some noir stuff. Um, so okay, here's my my other thing that's weird. So watching um, movies this old is very difficult. Um, because there's always whenever I maybe this is stupid, but whenever I'm watching a movie or a play, um, I there's there's multi, for the first time there's multiple different things to take in. There's like the story and also the performance and also the art of the way it's being filmed and also like the things that are happening in the movie that might be distracting as well. Um, like, uh, Ooh, what are those? <laughs> like, like it is a period piece. So there's like racism. Um, oh sure, right. Yes. Or um, one of the things we didn't do because we're talking about the Oscars, we didn't do like what else we watched this week. But my wife and I watched um, a couple of old Monty Python movies, including The Life of Brian, which is like got some real issues in it, uh, like some real oh really. I haven't, stuff I haven't rewatched some, Life of Brian yet. I, it's John funny because I'm doing the same face. thing. Like there's some there's some issues, and like so that's one thing that might take me out of it. Um, yeah. Uh, and so there's all those different factors bouncing around. And so when I watch like from the 40s, it's like there's so many things that just are unrelatable to me right now that I'm having to watch in addition to trying to like understand this character on its own terms. But also I'm having to be like, you know, when they show the map that's like his unbelievable newspaper empire spanned seven cities and three radio stations. <laughs> you're like, man, if the owner of Gannett woke up with seven newspapers and six radio stations, he would kill himself. Like, that's such a small media empire. Is that supposed to be impressive? Like, that kind of dissonance for me? Well, but clear, but clearly it was supposed to be impressive. Yeah, it's clearly They're impressive. They're telling but, you uh, yeah, like right, it's impressive. Right, right. And, he, and, and uh, but just like that, there's the little bits of, of that, of the unrelatable times. I don't know, like a sex scandal stopping a presidency. Isn't that crazy? Or, yeah, um, that's wild. Uh, <laughs> that's actually the wildest thing in the movie that a sex scandal yeah. would. That's so like it's so much of this movie feels prophetic, but not that part. Not yeah, that yeah, part yeah. At it's all. like oh, he had consensual sex. That seems fine to me, actually. Oh wow, crazy. Um, <laughs> or, or just like sleds having names. I that's just not a concept that makes any <laughs> sense to me. Um, so mm-hmm. like all of this weird time period stuff, just a, like. Um, in this movie doesn't get in the way of me having a great time. This was a really fun watch. This is a like this isn't is, is sometimes a movie that is important is not also like a fun good movie in the, to me. Yep. And this one is. Like this one is just like I could just like it on its face. Which is the same feeling I had with Casablanca. I was expecting it to be more like a like a painful lesson in filmmaking and instead it was like, "Oh, this, mm-hmm. this is great." Um Yeah. So that's how I felt, but like, how do? You, but like, in those other situations where it's like, oh, well, this is annoying me, but like, how do you? But I know it's important. Like, how do you separate all that stuff while you're watching something? I mean, I I think the like you just kind of listen to the movie, like you just play along, and I feel like actually I maybe do this to an extent that is like maybe kind of bad because I feel like uh, sometimes like I'm so willing to play along with a movie. That like it it probably didn't occur to me when I watched Life of Brian that there was blackface in it. It didn't you know occur what I mean? to me when I watched like, I'm it so last just time. Like, and t- but then yesterday it occurred to me. So like when I was a kid, it didn't bother me. But in recent light, I was like, well, I bet John Cleese feels bad about this. It's not even like it's not 
it's not making fun of the character. It's just like he's playing one of the wise men and he's just in blackface and they don't. He's just in blackface. Like that's just like a normal thing to do. Yep. And that is weird. Yeah. But I mean, like, and I'm, I'm trying to be like fair to somebody in the 70s in Britain that maybe they right. didn't know that that was. And maybe they should have. I don't know. That's what I don't. It's, but all of that is stopping me from being in the moment of the movie. Yeah. I've like, it, I feel like. So like it's funny it's it's funny that you talk about blackface and British people though actually because there's a Mighty Boosh sketch I love the Mighty Boosh and that's like we can't use time period to excuse this because this was like 2004 oh and I realized just the other day that he's doing blackface in it and then I googled Mighty Boosh blackface uh-huh. no one had talked about it <laughs> no one had commented on this at all it was like I was the idiot yeah. You know? Uh, so yeah, so like, but again, like, like I feel like I've the lesson I've been taught with watching cinema is to just go to go with it. The, if the movie's communicating something to you, that's true in this world, and that helps you get over a lot of things. It helps you get over time period issues. It helps you get over cultural issues. You know, like I generally uh, just kind of listen to the movie. Some, sometimes this doesn't always work. I'm not saying like this is perfect. Like we were talking about Parasite and the creepy vibes with like the son and the the girl that he's. Yeah, um, I think we talked about this mostly off the air, right? But um, yeah, we did talk about it a little bit off. Which the is, air. I was uh, feeling like the the age gap between the the son and the student he's tutoring, or and even not just the age gap, but the power dynamic, makes it creepy to me that they kiss a lot. Yeah. Uh, that the rabbit hole on trying to figure out that without like because age is weird in Korea uh in that people like are generally younger than they say they are so at one point he says he's 26 and i have no idea if he's 26 basically there's no way to tell like so when uh, when you were in Korea people lied about their age to you a lot is what you're saying it's not that people lie about their age. There is some, uh, and I wish I had done more research on that. Well, you know what it is? I've actually asked several Koreans and friends of mine that live in Korea to like describe this phenomenon to me, and nobody ever really sums it up very well. But for some reason, Koreans at certain points of their lives, they like skip an age, and I don't know what? why. And I'm so sorry if I'm sounding crazy to anybody. This also could be like a weird regional Korean thing. Like it might not be widespread. Interesting. Um, but like that was very like common, uh, especially with all the Korea. Like I would ask, like someone would tell me their age because age is also super important. Like if you meet someone in Korea and they're the same age as you, they want to be your friend because they're generally friends with people that, that are the exact same age as them. Um, Interesting. But people would be like, "Oh, I'm the same age as you," and then I would be like, "No, you're actually like." I would be like, "Are you really though?" <laughs> Like by American or by like the rest of the world age standards, and it would be like, no, not really, but yes. <laughs> well, if you're doing it as an excuse to be friends, that sounds rad. The idea yeah, of exactly. being like a baseline, it's, they're like, we sh- we're supposed to be friends. That's what I miss since school is like the idea that we're in some similar situation, and so we're default friends. It just doesn't happen as yeah. much, and I miss it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as far as Citizen Kane goes, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm worried about, sorry, just when you were saying all this thing, like, I, I, I think. So I like the idea as a trying to understand art to be like my first plan is to suspend disbelief, put myself in their shoes, or like like go with what they're saying. My first right. job and is go, to take and go their with word the rules of the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if if like it's I'm not trying to say like oh you should watch a movie and if there's racist stuff in it you shouldn't note it. Obviously you're living in we're living in 2020. <laughs> 
you you have an awareness of this. But if the movie is telling you like for for this movie, this is not considered racist. It's like there's your movie bind that is like interpreting the story, and then there is the like I'm also a person and I understand what's going on here. Um, but I did not notice what's the racist stuff in Citizen Kane because I did not notice. No, it. that's, I, that was, that's I was, what all of this. No, is no, no. I don't. Do. I don't actually have a thing here. Oh, okay. Um, I was so scared. I was like, oh, is there something that I just? I because I've watched this movie like five times now. No, no. I my <laughs> yeah, for this the th- I already told you my things that took me out of the world, which was like um, sex scandals, stopping presidential candidates, and right, sleds right. having names, um, and his media empire being so small. Um, uh, or the idea that like six hundred thousand was a really impressive uh, newspaper uh, amount, of amount of people. But yeah, <laughs> uh, like obviously it it was in at that time or or for this world. Regardless. Yeah, yeah. So I, the metaphor that that reminds me of is a. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad took me to baseball games, and every time somebody would hit a fly ball, I would get excited that it was going to be a home run. And the crowd, too, you can hear the crowd go, ah, and then, ah, every time. And he was like, don't, if, you, if you're watching the ball, you're not going to know, but if you watch the outfielder, if they look like they're in a hurry, it might be a home run. But if he's just standing there, it's probably an easy fly ball. And it's true. It's like, it's he's way better at reading the ball than I am. So you watch the outfielder, you don't get as excited. It's great. So that sounds like what you're suggesting that I do for like racism in a movie is that mm-hmm. step one is how are the other characters reacting to this? Does, is, or even how is the film framing how is the film framing? It? Because it? there's a lot of times that that maybe the characters are also racist or whatever, right, but right. the film is not shooting it that way. I'm actually surprised for a movie in 1949, especially given other things that I've seen recently. I'm just, anytime something before 2003 doesn't have something horribly racist or sexist in it, um, I'm like, whoa, we just dodged that bullet. I don't know how you manage that. Um, but right. yeah, this, I, this one, like, I think pretty much snuck by. Um, at least I didn't notice anything. Um, uh, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to vouch for Orson Welles in general, right. but he was pretty political and and fairly progressive. Right. I would say that's that's my like playing it safe kind of because someone's going to be like, no, actually, dude, he did this messed up stuff. You don't know about it. I don't. I don't know his life story. Um, but yeah, he he at the time was like fiercely political. Yeah. So um, I I guess I do want to. I'm sure somebody is like um, yelling at their. Um, I guess they're wireless headphones. Um, no one's yelling at their podcast radio. <laughs> but anyway, somebody is frustrated by this in that is we're two white guys who are like, look, just ignore the racism. And that, I, right. that's what I, I, I... So at some point, I can also be like, look, this movie is racist and I want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, if, if a mo- Like, I guess what I would say, though, is when you're saying this movie is racist, I don't want to be a part of it. That's like, yeah, that means the movie's so racist. Like, you don't, you don't need to be consulting your like, you don't need to be getting into the world of the movie at that point. Right. The movie's racist. Don't be a part of it. I do really struggle with stuff that, and I, I'm not, I'm sure I'm not alone. And I don't know how we as a culture are going to deal with stuff that's like, yeah, at the time in Britain, blackface made more sense or something. I, it's just. I'm actually really curious about the British blackface thing just because I have seen it so many times and it is treated as if it is so innocuous uh, and that it means nothing. And so I'm so, I am so confused by that. uh, And I would like to know why, like, 
I don't know because it it I don't know there maybe maybe there is an explanation like maybe maybe if the, we had a British person on right now they could give us a point of well, view I, that we I, have you not you know there heard. is there is an argument that I hear sometimes from people that are like it's it it means different things in other countries that did not have the same history we did not do slavery in the same way I guess and I am I am mm-hmm. generally so skeptical of that argument that like like one thing I do to my my mom uh, is Dutch and her. So in, in Holland, as you you may or may not know, um, Santa has a racist helper. Um, oh, famously, you don't know this. So no, great. Okay, so in 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 Dutch, Santa his name is Sinterklaas, and he puts um, cheese in your shoe. It's great. I like that part. Um, but he also has a friend named Peter, uh, who they call Svarte Piet, who is black, is named Black Peter, and he is a white Dutch person in blackface. And if you're bad. He beats you up and takes you uh, to Spain, to North Africa. I can't remember where he takes you. Oh, geez. But anyway, he beats you up and puts you in a bag and takes you away to someplace scary. Um, and I love countries that have a bad equivalent of Santa. I love a, a Christmas demon. But it's like a super uh, racist portrayal. It's, it's terrible. But even today, like every Christmas time, my mom's cousins will be posting on Facebook like, you know, it's not racist, it's heritage. And like, that's just never the right answer. It's usually both. Most things are both. Uh, so I it, it just like, I just feel like Europe likes to give yeah. themselves a pass on racism in a way right. that it definitely doesn't <laughs> deserve. And so I'm worried about that in British comedy as being like, like, I agree that probably no one around you was talking about it. So I would understand if as like a 20 year old goofball, you didn't, you weren't that aware of it but mm-hmm. i also think culturally we should give that a whole pass either yeah so i would say the difference in the like watching an old movie that has racism in it and the like people in holland currently celebrating a thing is the the kind of frozen and amber yes difference yes. right like the in one we have people that did a thing uh and now it's frozen exactly how it is. It's not like, you know, it's not like if there's racist stuff in Citizen Kane, they'd be like, well, we went back and we fixed it. Or I guess they could recut it. That would be insane. You could George be. Lucas but, the movie. Yeah, it would be like, all right, we actually edited out all of that. Um, but the other thing, and I think, I mean, I think you already see where I'm going with this, is just like, these people are celebrating this thing right now, currently. Yes. Like, they're, they're making it new every day. Yeah. Uh, and I think... That is, to me, there is a distinct difference in how you would treat. Absolutely different. I only bring that up as an example to show like how sometimes Europe gives itself a pass on this. It seems like I I agree that Europe does that though. My my Swedish stepdad has said stuff like that to me before, where I'll just be like, "Well, that didn't really make very much sense (laughs) if you think about it at all." But you're just telling me it's okay. Uh, All right. Well, if you say, Um, I the uh, the other thing that's weird about British comedy, especially from the seventies, is that like a huge percentage of the humor is from men pretending to be women. And that yep. is just like not a conversation I'm as delighted by right now, uh, given mm-hmm. like given what I have learned about gender recently. I feel like that's just less funny. Um, they do actually handle the, the... There's like a trans character, basically. And they do handle her okay after giving her a hard time initially. They do actually like honor her pronouns for the rest of the movie, which is kind of nice. Um and progressive but in life of brian in life of brian yeah oh. yeah there's a there's this, wow, the scene really is like she movie. wants to be a woman and they're like that's ridiculous and she wants to have babies and they fight about her right to have babies even though she has no womb and it's like anyway it's like it's I, it's probably not even that bad but it's not perfect but then they do honor her the re- by calling her loretta the rest of the movie and that's nice 
Um, yeah. I think I think what's really hard about stuff like that is knowing how an audience would have like to me I feel like there would have been a value in knowing how an audience would have taken that at the time like when they did this was there even an outcry or is it that we're we are now kind of so culturally woken up everybody that now we're looking at this as like oh this was wrong but was it at the time even? Well, yeah, I mean, maybe that people. one's kind of a uh, uh, maybe that one's a grayer area. But like, I don't know, like Jimmy Kimmel doing blackface like ten years ago on the Man Show is right. Like that's, like that's that's clear. That's pretty. <laughs> clear. I mean, I don't think there was a huge outcry at the time, and there should have been. You should have known by then. Right, I agree with that. It's yeah, I don't know, man. This is the we're we're now we're in the territory of like trying to figure out that I don't. There's so much context that you can't get with this stuff Mm -hmm. that I think is really difficult. Um, And it does make watching a movie like more, I guess specifically if if your goal is to like take a movie at face value, it requires more conscious effort to try to recontextualize all the time and then reevaluate and then decide if you think it's racist and you should turn it off. I think generally the way I do, if if we're going, like if we're talking about a movie from the forties, I've probably read something about it Mm. before I'm probably not just watching it straight out, meaning if there is some sort of screwed up stuff. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I'll, I'll watch a lot of John Ford movies, but there's a lot of nasty, like, you know, very much. Uh, I mean, it's and it's obvious stuff, uh, but there's a lot of nasty stuff in his movies uh, in the treatment of Native Americans in his films mm-hmm. is like pretty disgusting. Um, but when you watch it, it's almost like you're not you're not evaluating it for that part because it, it fails in that way. Uh, it's like, I'm not saying give, give the nasty parts a pass. I'm saying that there's good art in these things that you can still learn from and take away into the current 2020 world. Um, and just because it's poisoned with this, like the, the stuff of the time doesn't mean there's nothing to take away from it. But it also doesn't mean that the, what those people did was right just because it was in that time. That's you know sounds, what I mean? I mean, that's a smart way to say it. I think that's, that's pretty good. I that, probably, this is as far into the weeds as we can go as like given our, given who we are and what our lives are. Yeah. Given, um, given what the setup of this podcast is. Yeah. To, yeah. To um, white dudes. But I think it's really, so I, I don't feel like we talked enough about Susan K, but we have to wrap up here. Um, um, I, I mean, we talked a lot about directing and about, film craft that i think helps and also just like what a great what a great flick what a great time i man. mean i think this is a good uh i think it's actually good that it worked out this way because there's not a lot of new stuff to say about citizen kane you know like it it is like the it's the most common movie to kind of tap for this type of project yes uh if you haven't seen it i would say probably across the board you should see it's it seeing like regardless yeah. of whatever i will say please, two, please two quick things it. about it that probably people have said but just to add on here make sure we get them out of the way which is one the age makeup is not awesome um no there's some real that's that's the one place where i'm like I don't, i'm sure you were breaking new ground but man uh, and I'm glad you did that instead of the really distracting CG makeup effects uh, of the Irishman. But this is mm-hmm. uh, still very bad. Also, dude, Leland in particular, Leland yes. is so bad. It's goofy. He looks like crap. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, and then also his wife, the terrible opera singer. I feel like opera is so out of my context and is like always sounds grating that I thought she might have been good. I could not tell. If it weren't for the guy who worked in the rafters of the opera house literally plugging his nose to show his Mm -hmm. disgust for her singing, I would have been like, man, she's killing it out there. Good job. 
God, the scene, the scene where they're, you know, he stands up and he's clapping. I mean, like that's something like everyone has seen that like gif of Orson oh yeah, Wells clapping. That's really, a really brilliant hard. clap. I've also that the audio of um, when she says "You're awful funny, aren't you?" is like a thing I've heard a lot of different like morning shows, like Zoo mm-hmm. Crew radio shows, play at the beginning. Um, I there's so many things of this that are hugely iconic. Him, it, also that clap and him in the opera house watching with that creepy light over his face is a image uh, uh, or a gift that I've definitely seen around a lot. And I forgot that it was like he's having a generally decent time watching his wife succeed. Um, right. He looks so dour <laughs> for like this. Is, you kind of you're winning right now, buddy. Right. Well, I mean, he's bummed out because she's not really. Like, because the audience isn't taking it right. in. Right, they're not enjoying the it as much is. as he would like them to because they're not right. in love with her. <laughs> he wants everyone to be on the same page and everything. Um, the thing the thing that I want to call out that I've never heard anyone talk about that I forget about every time I watch this movie, towards the end, about 20 minutes before the end, there is a very strange cut where suddenly there is a large bird on screen and it squawks really loud and it'll scare the shit out of you. Yes. Okay. Classic. If you're not ready jump for scare it. bird. I do not know why that is in the movie. <laughs> I know there's a reason and that there's some sort of deeper takeaway. You know what? This is my pizza boxes. Uh, I don't know why that's in there. I would like a cut of the movie that takes it out because every time I've watched it, I've forgotten about that because it's so out of nowhere. It is, and it's and loud. And it really scares me. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it scares me so much. It's You know why? Oh, it's not a horror movie, okay? It's not supposed to have a jump scare in it, all right? <laughs> so there we go. If you've never seen it, please watch it, but the, be warned, there is a nasty bird jump scare The whole movie, towards the on edge for the bird. Yeah, well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for you, think, because you'll forget. Actually, that's the problem. Is even if someone tells you, you're gonna forget because there's some there's some good acting in this. Yeah, and there's some good like there's good. Just there's a lot of great non aviary scenes, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> it's so scary. All right, uh, let's wrap our conversation on Citizen Kane. There, we got a, a quick little bit more mailbag, then we'll get out of here. All right, two more uh, quick emails I want to get to. Remember, you can email us, podcast at read-weep.com, anytime with questions. In general, I will say, uh, I, I would like to tell the whole team this, and I will um, some other time, but Hunter, the people are enjoying this season. Um, oh, good. People are really liking this project, and uh, I am really... And today, especially the, just thinking back on the audio we've just recorded for this hour, like... I wasn't sure what to expect talking about Citizen Kane for an hour with just you, and it what what an interesting discussion I think this has been. And Dude, we I, went everywhere. I feel like I've learned a lot about the craft of movie making from five weeks of this project already. So I I hope other people have, but it's people are ge- ge- generally liking it. So um, or genuinely liking it. So here's an email from Jess from a little while back. Uh, Since you guys embraced Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I'm hoping you can tackle a movie that has intrigued, plagued me slash plagued me since its pre-production announcement. And that movie is The Great Wall. Oh, I don't know about this movie. Yeah, you do. Almost nothing about its existence makes sense to me. This is the Chinese historical sci-fi epic starring Matt Damon. What? You don't remember this? I don't know anything about this. You saw this. Surely you saw... I mean, I don't don't, know one saw the movie, but like you saw the news story about this a few years ago. 
No, I didn't. This I am learning about this movie right now. Wait, I'm, really? I, I am sorry to disappoint, but I I, I am learning. About I am this so right surprised because I I mean I just saw. So the this news is like the this. last Samurai, but with it's a couple years like ago. Matt with Matt Damon, yeah, yeah, and it's which which uh, going back to Jess's email, which might be racist, except that it's a Chinese movie, and presumably they cast him to be able to market this to a Western audience, which might still be racist, unclear. Um, I want some hard hitting hitting journalism where somebody crunches all the numbers. <laughs> What market was Matt Damon opening up? How much did they think he'd add to the worldwide box office? Why did he agree to do it? Did he have a boat payment due? I mean, that's usually the answer. Someone's either got a, or in like Nicolas Cage's um, case, uh, uh, an island payment. But for most people, it's just like, yeah, you got to pay for a boat. Um, Jess continues, here's my own personal conspiracy theory. The Western characters, Matt Damon, Willem Dafoe, Pedro Pascal, are actually Rosencrantz and Guildenstern style characters who think they're crucial in the story but are actually completely peripheral to all the major Chinese characters and are, in fact, a ver- the version screen in China. Um, they make only occasional 30-second appearances as background actors. All, honestly, wow. just make an entire spinoff podcast about the Great Wall, please, and thank you. All right. Um, awesome suggestion, Jess. I am. I, I don't know how wide an audience this podcast would have, the spinoff podcast, because Hunter had never even heard of it, and he reads film Twitter, I assume. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I don't know that I read. I I don't know that I read film Twitter, oh, okay. uh, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. It's so weird that I did not hear about this movie. This is so puzzling. I do not know what to make of this literally <laughs> like at all. Yeah, this um, was um, 2016. I guess it, I, this was 2016. And yeah, it was like, I, th- I mean, that was the story that I heard, which was like, it's this huge budget Chinese film. And they brought Matt Damon in because they like Matt Damon. And Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe. And Pedro Pascal. Yeah, which like, are great and I, choices. I, I love those people. I, I mean, I mean, uh, Matt Damon, of the people who I think are, like, really good actors, and are uh, he seems like one who's, like, also willing to do some garbage, like, pretty much whenever. And yeah, he doesn't necessarily man, recognize something from the... He doesn't um, pull something out of the garbage. He's just willing to go down there and swim around in the garbage. This smells really fishy, this entire, like, just reading this Wikipedia right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, well, like, so, Jess, we can't promise you hard-hitting journalism, but I did. you did convince Hunter to read the Wikipedia page about it, so that's pretty interesting. And that counts as like a I, source yeah, now. How, 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 how is it, how, oh, my God, <laughs> like, how could this be, how can this be? Yeah, people are, like, calling it out, like, whitewashing, that this is a white savior narrative, but it's... A Chinese production. Yeah. So, yeah. What is that? Uh, yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. This is this man. This, you know what this smells like? And this is this is going to sound weird. This sounds like some sort of weird deal between a U.S. film studio and like the Chinese government. Yeah. This yeah. doesn't seem sincere to me. I, this seems like some sort of very strange. I've seen little uh, like hints of this, and movie. Anthony has referenced it a few times, and I don't know that much about it, but the current world of film is like highly reliant on chinese money mm-hmm. i have heard uh yeah a lot of sure, film sure. now is reliant on on foreign investment and so they make specific to like i hear i hear like a story every once in a while it's like oh fast and furious nine was gonna do this thing in china but they moved it somewhere else so that china always looks good or whatever um right and so i but i that's i, I would love to hear i'm sure there's a long podcast where someone actually does some journalism on this and digs into it but i, I don't know but you don't generally see it the other way around no no like that's what's Chinese so weird about this production one. Yes. trying to make a movie that's gonna be a crossover hit in the united states like well to keep that i guess that's that's what makes this more relevant today then which is given that uh, parasite just won all the awards 
does this open the door to more Korean filmmaking in America? And is this like I assume that China, the Chinese film industry, is hoping to someday make bigger inroads in the West? I, that just it seems like a thing people would like is to have their movies do better internationally. Yeah, I don't. I feel like it's. I don't know. This is one of those things where I feel like even complaining about this movie is maybe questionable, though, because like think about how many like like U.S. like blockbusters uh, China has had to like put up. Well, not like put up with. I mean, I guess like if if it's if it's making money, they like it. But like, can we even really complain about the Great Wall? That's the even more fascinating question. Well, should so far we're just puzzled. We're not complaining. We're just confused. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) um but i well so let's do i I don't know if it's it's gonna get its whole a whole episode about it jess definitely i don't have time for the full spinoff podcast but i'm intrigued and i will do some more poking around and i'll see we'll come back to this topic because i'm really interested in it yeah i want to watch this and actually i want to know everything about them (laughs) like what what this is and how this this happened maybe we do it then um one more email before we go this is from richard who says season three is off to a great start i hope you'll continue with film school for a while because it's been very fun and interesting your comments about directors being up their own asses echoes something that has bothered me for a long time. This is from a couple weeks ago where I said that. Um, and I thought it could be a discussion topic for the show. The TLDR is that maybe you can only learn so much about movies by watching movies and other sources of information might be necessary. And oh, yeah. he's got more about this and I'm going to read more. But that you just said the thing about like how every 40s movie you watch, you already knew some stuff about. And so I am curious about how you navigate, how much you bring in and how much is just from the movie? Um, I feel like the older the movie is, there's like, a, if I were to graph it, it would be like the older it is, the more I probably need context. Um, and actually, that kind of goes for foreign movies too. Like if I'm going to watch a movie, well, it, it de- and it depends on how familiar I am with the culture, but if I'm going to watch a Thai movie, like there there's, um, oh, uh, I don't even want to say his name. I'm going to butcher it. A Pitchatapong. Mm. I think. I think actually he lets people call him Joe. Um, so I'll just call him Joe. I'm pretty sure he does. No, I, I'm not making that up. I'm pretty sure he says you can call me Joe. Um, something it's like that. Nice it's him. Joe or something like that. It's like a very generic like Western name. But uh, so Joe. If I'm gonna watch one of his movies, uh, which I really love, uh, t- like Southeast culture, I don't know nothing about that. And even I've been watching. Uh, Thai movies for a little while now. I've been watching his movies anyways because his movies are awesome. Um, and every time I kind of got to go to the Wikipedia first because otherwise I'm just going to be confused. There's a lot of spirituality in it that I don't that I do not understand at all. Um, so having context for that is good. If I'm going to watch an old Hollywood movie though, I'll also read a lot because I need to know. You know. So Richard says this thing um, about this, which is like. Um it, sometimes cre- creative works uh, and the creative process are difficult for him because he has an engineer brain. And he said, the challenge is that if I don't already understand the language of cinema, then using the language of cinema to explain cinema itself isn't going to work. And ah. I, which I definitely feel, I think that's super interesting. Like how do I um, take this? How do I learn this thing just from inside the thing? Like, am I, I'm doing a, like, am I, are we all supposed to just have learned all this stuff about cinema from, being inside it are we are we all just doing immersion training in film um and it reminds me of being like at an art museum where like i always enjoy reading the little thing if it has information uh and some people i have been it has been suggested to me find that to be cheating 
or not cheating, but just like ruining it for yourself. The important thing is you stand in front of it and experience it. And I would love to know where was this person born and why were they, why did they make this and what they were thinking about? Um, and I don't know how, so, so from, from a movie, if I watch a movie and I think, oh, I enjoyed this thing. And then you tell me you're not supposed to like Inception. It's stupid. Then <laughs> am I like, should, which, which is the better answer? Should I be like, well, no, my experience is this and it's valid. Or should I like learn more about why you didn't like it? And then if that ruins it for me, am I better off? No, 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 no. That definitely not that last thing. Uh, people can just differ. That I mean, that's that's just the thing is that like, especially if you're talking about a movie like Inception, where even if I might not like Inception, uh, I that like there are things about it that are good that are definitely good because it was just it's a lot of good work, it's a lot of good craft. Um, so I mean, like there are some movies that are bad and they're just bad because like somebody made them and they that they just aren't well made. Like it's just bad craft. Right. Um, but also something can be bad because like there's some sort of deeper problem or, or something personal between you in the movie. Um, so yeah, I mean like it, this, this definitely isn't about like, Oh, inception is actually bad and you should feel bad for liking it. That's never it. And it's never that simple. Um, especially if you're talking about a movie that is, uh, on a lot of levels, uh, like you know on a lot of lo- in a lot of ways uh, inception can't be bad because it's well made um but well so i still think it's bad this so th- this <laughs> reminds me of like my my buddy nick and i used to call this the disease um where you the more you learn about something the less you can appreciate the crappy versions of it um yeah. so like when i was just watching movies on my laptop i thought they were good and it was fine. I enjoyed it. I was like, this looks great. And then you like get a big TV and now you're like, I can't watch a movie on my laptop. It looks too crappy. Or you like, you get great headphones. And like most people can't tell the difference between good sound and bad sound. That's why MP3s exist. That's why everyone uses Apple's iPhone or, or headphones because they're, they're terrible, but they don't, no one cares. No one cares. But then you get really good headphones and you're like, oh, now I hear what music could sound like. And it ruins right. your ability to listen on, uh, on, iP- on pods. And so, um, it's like a struggle with things of certain work because usually with that sort of thing, quality is related to price. So if you don't ever learn what sound could be, if you just like are fine with muddled sound and like it, so you just want everything mixed super high so you can have a good time with the rhythm, like that's way cheaper than if you want to buy $500 Bose headphones and listen to everything in these controlled environments. So with, and like with food, if you're like, I like, I like Vienna sausages. And then someone's like, here's what foie gras tastes like or whatever. Um, meat things and then you're like now i can't eat vienna sausage anymore because it's not as good but are you i guess the, the fundamental question is do you lose the ability to like something crappy are you gaining enough enjoyment or a deeper sense of enjoyment from understanding and liking the better things once you know better then you're losing from not being able to like the crappy things anymore and if you like look into art are you losing the ability to just be like well, that's a cool painting of dogs playing poker are you losing that but gaining the ability to appreciate something great? Is that a worthwhile trade-off for us? Um, I th- yes. I, I mean, I think clearly it is. Uh, okay. But I I think the with with the important note being here, like everyone is making choices on those things that they want to go deep with and that they don't care about all the time. So like, just because someone has decided that they don't want to go deep on that thing that doesn't make them wrong. 
And I guess oh, interesting. This, okay. it, it sucks because actually this feels like I probably shouldn't even tell you this. You know what I mean? I should probably hold this one back. This should be like the season finale oh. thing is that at the end I say like, you know, you were you are actually watching them right all along because there's no wrong way to do it. You've but. already been a little bit more on that side when Anthony's around because Anthony tells me that I'm doing things wrong. And so you, I think, balance him a little bit with the positivity. Yeah. But I mean, truthfully, some people don't want to go like they don't want to go down this road. They don't want to go to film school. They don't want to have to watch like old movies or whatever to kind of learn the because I so earlier we kind of skipped over something of like, how do you learn film language? Yes. 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 Uh, yes. If you didn't just like kind of pick it up. Richard's email, yeah. And I feel like this that is the that idea, that question is the number one reason why it is good to go watch the movies that they tell you to watch in film school because you're kind of learning the building blocks of cinema language as they were added to the overall oh, grammar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's easier to kind of isolate. Like right now you watch movies and it's like the equivalent of like a hundred years of like craft all building on each other. And so it's, I think more difficult for you to see under the hood but if you go back and you're like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, this movie that was really, you know, or like Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is actually a great example because a lot of people, even at the time, kind of criticized it uh, because they were like, oh, there's nothing new in it. It's really just a marriage of all these different influences. Mm. And to audiences at the time, it was really obvious, like, what was being married together. Um But I think, like, the reason it kind of has stood the test of time is because it pulled all these disparate things together seamlessly to make a new whole that just has like all the good things in it at that time, you know, like it's German expression. You can watch a German expressionist movie, but the acting, eh, you know, it's not, it's not, it, they don't have Orson Welles, right. you know, and that might be unfair for me to say because, yeah, it is. you know, for, like the German, Our German audience is yeah. left. Yeah. They're like, well, no, there's very good German acting. in this. And I was saying there is bad acting, but it's, it's not, it's not like, in Citizen Kane. So yeah, it kind of marries all these influences together that are, uh, that hadn't been put together before. And that's why it is great. All right. Um, more to be said about all of these, but I, I think that's a good start to it. Um, obviously I believe that there's more to be gained from learning about it because I am here. Um, and originally I may have mostly just thought this was going to be entertaining, but now I'm actually learning stuff more than I had expected. And I'm really enjoying that. So, uh, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep educating you whether you like it or not, Richard. That's not what you were asking, but um, and thanks for sending us the email. Everybody else, you can email us podcast at readdashweave.com. We really appreciate it. We'll get to them as often as we can. Um, and I'm glad you guys are liking this season. All right, everybody, that is it for our show. Thank you so much for listening. I know last week uh, our show went too long, and I said that's because we had four people talking about nine movies. Well, this week, two people talking about one movie just as long so it turns out oh we can i didn't even notice we're until like now <laughs> goldfish we'll just like eat until we die um we'll just fill up whatever space is available so um but i i i think well, so much interesting stuff here that i'm going to keep thinking about so thank you hunter for doing going this deep dive oh, with me thank you alex and thank we also have me we also brought in a lot of emails so that's there's there other bonus guests that way um and, and everybody do check out uh, Hunter's other podcasts, including Dumb and Busted, if you want to hear another show that he hosts. Yeah, him talk Dumb about and Busted, that's shit. good. And if you play Twilight Imperium, yeah. Space Cats, Peace Turtles. Space Cats, Peace Turtles, which I still have never played, and I wanted to do with you at some point before I moved, and I didn't get a chance. So someday, I will visit you, and I will make you teach me this game. 
Yep, it takes all day, so be ready. <laughs> uh, I can't wait. Um, and uh, we'll be back again next week, uh, uh, hopefully with more of the team, hopefully with Anthony's uh, burned knees. I should not laugh. I do feel very bad for him. Um, um, but his burned knee is back next week for uh, the show. And um, so next week, your homework assignment for this week, uh, back when class reassembles, is going to be to watch all of the films of Quentin Tarantino. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, we're, we're gonna, doing Tarantino. We're next gonna time? do. Yeah, this you, we, we didn't. <laughs> I don't plan stuff far enough ahead with the team. But <laughs> you texted me he's like, "We have to do a Quentin Tarantino episode." And I was thinking, about it, I was like, "That actually would work really well right now because we're coming off the Oscars and off Once Upon a Time in Hollywood." Oh, that is also that's such a good follow up to all of we were, all of the kind of like uh, how do you contextualize people and their racism yes. in movies yes. and like in the time like because yeah I oh man yes also we all oh, this long talk about direct. And and um, uh, who's who's the, the the movie daddy? And so what? I think it's a great time to try to talk about somebody's oeuvre. And this is one that I can do because I have seen most of them. The two things that I know I have not seen are Inglorious Bastards, which is supposed to be very good, and Jackie Brown, that which I have not. I've heard mixed things about. So oh no, that one's cool. Okay. That one's that one's underrated. Well, I th- so I think I've gotten everything else, although not recently, and I won't be rewatching everything. But I th- I'm going to watch those two to catch up. You're welcome to watch whatever part of his canon that you need to to be ready. Anthony, I'm sure, is already ready. Um, so we're just going to talk. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about QT. And and this was such a big question that I kept one- wanting to talk about in the last few episodes, which is like, how am I supposed to feel about this guy? Am I wrong? He's also come up a bunch already. He came up in the because he came up in Crouching Tiger when we were talking about Kill Bill. Um, oh, and I have not seen the second half of Kill Bill, and I will not. So, um, oh, what? I, Why not? I don't want to. Um, <laughs> hated part one, so I'm not going to watch part two. Um, you, oh, but part part two is better. I know, but you 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 can't you can't you can't, people do that sometimes too, where they try to sell like watch the show. The first couple seasons are bad, but it gets better. No, you have to do enough good stuff in the first three hours that I care about the second three hours. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so I'm, I walked out on that movie halfway through, and I'm not going back in. But I, I'll watch. The, I've watched the rest of it. I think so. Anyway, that that'll be plenty for us to talk about. So we're gonna talk about QT next week. Is that- All right, awesome, awesome. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back then. Goodbye. <laughs>